Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. This podcast is for and about women of colour and our relationship with nature. Hosted by me, Cherie Mack. The Earth Sea Love Podcast is committed to exploring the experiences of women of colour with Mother Nature. We want to provide spaces where the hidden voices in the environmental and conservation conversations can explore their relationship with the natural world. Inspired by our time spent outdoors, we amplify the voices of women of colour. Our stories, our conversations, interviews, photography, writing and artwork. We'll be exploring our legacies, histories and memories which have had an influence and effect upon how we perceive ourselves within the natural world and within the environmental and climate justice movements. Welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. The Earth Sea Love Podcast has been made possible by the funding from National Lottery Heritage Fund. Thank you. And hello again. Welcome to the Earthsea Love Podcast. And as promised, we are giving you another episode in October, just a week after the last ones were dropped. Yay! I have kept to my deadline. Um, and I say deadline and that word lies heavy on my soul when I bring you this episode. This episode I am talking with my dear friend Alwyn Wilson and um, this episode was recorded in June and if it was recorded in June it would mean that now you dear listener would have been able to have signed up to Alwyn's offering this October exploring creative connection but unfortunately because of deadlines that were not met it means that you can't be part of this current offering which started on Monday um, but luckily I'm involved in it still this is probably my third time of taking this course and why do I do it because it nourishes my soul as you will hear in this episode, Alwyn talks deeply and honestly about visual journaling and what a practice it is for giving you time and space to show up for yourself, to check in on how you are feeling. And um, visual journaling is part of my own practice. It has been part of my practice for the last five years 
This is some serious shit, man. It's gotten me through some difficult times. And um, this is what actually brought me and Alwyn together. Me and Alwyn met in a, a Facebook group, virtually. And um, I can remember a conversation we had within that group. And it was all about hair, about shaving, about social standards, about women and hair. And how black women tend to be a little bit more hairier than the average woman. And... Um, The question was, should we follow societal norms and shave off, be bare in different places? We were thinking about under our arms and our legs. And um, we were talking about that because I just decided a few years ago that I wasn't going to be shaving my legs anymore. But then I was having this quandary because I was actually teaching at the same time. And you know what kids are like. They can be cruel. And if they weren't taking the mick out of my shiny shoes, then they would have definitely been taking the mick out of my um, hairy legs. And Alwyn's advice was, you know, to go with what you feel, you know, be be um, true to yourself, basically. And that is Alwyn's motto throughout the rest of her life, the whole of her life in the sense of being true to herself. And she's been on this journey for a while. And um, it's such an honour and an inspiration to know Alwyn. And I say that from the heart. We eventually got to meet each other in 2018 in Iceland, of all places. And um, that was the creative um, retreat I ran for women. And it was a week in Iceland during the summer solstice where we could tap into our inner wisdom and explore it and see what we could take away back into our ordinary lives, usual lives, to make ourselves grow and develop and to just become more and more of our authentic selves. And honestly, there's a there's an episode that I actually write about in my um, mixed genre memoir where... Um, The Wednesday on our um, creative retreat, it was the day of water because we're using the landscape every day, a different aspect of the landscape to feed into our um, creative practice. And Wednesday was the day of water. So we'd went um, to a number of waterfalls and then we ended, ended up on the Black Beach, Black Sand Beach in Vic. Anyhow, throughout that day on our journey to get to this Black Sand Beach, Each of the women that were on this retreat had come to me individually and cried. Cried for a number of different reasons. And um, and the first person, I mean, yeah, and the first person who did come to me and cry um, about the state of affairs and the political situation, I had failed to comfort and cuddle and, yeah, support in a physical way, I would say. Um, and then throughout the day, the day, other women had come to me and cried. And um, and it was while I was on that sand, conversing with the power of the sea, that it hit me that that first woman who came to me and cried was Alwyn. And I had failed to 
comfort her, cuddle her. And my realisation about this was because I was carrying around subconsciously that idea of that strong black woman stereotype. That stereotype that we, as black women, are fed, that we live up to, that we try to emulate as we try and navigate through this world. And what I had done was subconsciously perpetuated that stereotype by not offering Alwyn a shoulder to cry on. And when I realised this, I'd, I'd, right, I'd, I'd pulled Dolwyn out of the group and says, hey, we need to talk. And while we were still on that black sand, I said to Alwyn, sorry, I apologise to Alwyn for not being there for her, for not recognising her pain and suffering and not offering her a cuddle. And I, I had felt, I felt that I'd let her down and it was on that beach that I cried that day because I could see how I had taken on board and internalised that self-hate that black women see outside in society, in the media, in the way that people treat us, in those micro microaggressions and I had internalised it and I was throwing it back out at a fellow sister, at another black woman. And I cried and we stood there on that beach together crying and cuddling each other and loving each other. I love Owen Wilson like I love myself because I can see myself in Owen Wilson. And maybe she can see herself in me. I don't know. But um, And then since then, we have been in touch because we're, you know, we haven't been able to see each other since then. But we've been in touch monthly. We, we keep a monthly um, FaceTime appointment with each other, checking in with each other, sharing our joys, sharing our woes. And, and it's such a, as I said, it's such a beautiful, beautiful relationship that we have. And it's really, and for me, it's really rare to have a relationship like that with another black woman. Because again, you know, we're brought up to think that we, we're competition and there's only allowed to be one black woman in the room, you know, because that's filling the, the quota for blackness. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so this episode is, you know, I apologise it's coming late. I apologise that you've missed exploring creative connection for this year. But I know Alwyn will be coming back with it next year, maybe in a different way, maybe in a different guise. And at the end of this podcast, she envisions a future offering. And I hope that gets fulfilled. Um, so, yeah, so we talk about nature, obviously, and how that has helped Alwyn through some difficult times um, with a chronic illness. Um, and how sometimes it's just enough to have the window open and feel that breeze coming through and caressing your skin and that's exactly what I've done this morning I've opened the window you might hear some wind in the background because it's a windy day it's a very windy day but that was to feel that breeze on my skin and it's such a good reminder that we're alive we're alive in this weird and wonderful world 
Anyway, this ended up to be much, much longer than I anticipated. But yeah, I hope you are ready for this lovely <laughs> droplet of joy and wisdom. Yeah, so here's another episode from the Earthsea Love Podcast. And thank you again for listening. You are welcome here and you are appreciated. Bye for now. Your post this morning made me laugh my ass off. Oh my God. <laughs> but I mean, I mentioned that because it did, it did help me. I mean, I didn't go to sleep till about half two this morning. Oh. But um, I'd made the decision, you know, I was doom donging my head on the pillow. Okay, let get up, get up early so you can go to the sea. Because that was my drops of joy, yeah, that I've been missing or denying myself. So, yeah, so it totally, it's totally set me up for the day. I, I feel like a different woman. You know, I feel cleansed. I really do. <laughs> That's so, awesome. So thank you for that because it was that prompt. What's missing? What's missing in your life? Um, and having that to do and to do was like, yeah, this is missing. But really, is it? And I think what you did as well with your cherry chimed in. It's that idea of looking for that joy because it's there. We might yeah. be just missing out on it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially when everything else is going on, right? There things that are noisier, messier, they get our attention and we miss those little bits. Nuggets. It's like, nuggets. oh my goodness. Yeah, the nugget. Yeah. It just <laughs> refreshes you. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, now, now I'm craving chocolate. I want nugget now. I'm just like Oh, I like it. You you heard nougat. But I also said nugget. But that is so good. I mean, both work for me. Both work for me. And nugget here has bits of um, nuts in, like hazelnuts in. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. okay. Hello. Hello, Alwyn. Alwyn Wilson. <laughs> um, um, really good. Really good to be sitting, chatting with you today. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. I mean, when it when it was coming out, the idea, you were top of my list. You were top of my list. Yeah. Um, so just to start off, tell us, tell us where you are in the world, please. And what can you see outside your window? What season are you in? Please tell us. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Um, as soon as you asked, I was like, of course. Never been on a podcast before, but I'm like, for you, anything. Um so, yeah, I'm in uh, Canada. I'm about an hour away from Toronto, one of the biggest cities in Canada. And right now we are in summer, I think, officially. I don't, we might be like, I think it's the close to the eclipse right now. Yeah. Um, or the summer solstice, I should say. Mm -hmm. And it's hot. It's sunny. We've got, you know, finally the leaves they took a while, but they're starting to come into bloom. Um, same with the gardens. Just, you know, a ridiculous amount of things that are spreading up and out. Mm -hmm. So we've got a wash of colors and textures that, you know, we don't get to see when during our barren winters. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, because I imagine that it can be a harsh, harsh winters in Canada. Well, I mean, it depends where we are. We This past winter wasn't too bad. 
Um, we went, we cycled through, you know, some harsher uh, temperatures, really cold, to also really mild conditions. You know, we'd get mm. a dump of snow, and then it would warm up enough for it to melt. Mm. Um, so our our seasons can be quite um, different and varied. They're not always, you know, we're not sitting in um, uh, like ice forts and things like that in Canada. People assume our winters are like. And winter across this big, huge country can um, look different from city to city and province to province. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I forget how big it is, actually. And also, probably people forget about Canada when they just think about North America and then that's it. Like, the, that that's the end of the world to some people. North America forget Canada. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. Yeah, we just get lumped in with the United States. And it's... You just it's, don't you know, want that to happen. <laughs> Definitely don't. Um, not saying that, you know, uh, one country is better than another by any means, but we have some things that I'm quite pleased to have in Canada that yeah. I wouldn't, mm. wouldn't have access to in the United States. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where you live, do you have access to a garden? Because a lot of people that I'm talking to with lockdown have been enjoying their gardens. I'm not sure mm -hmm. if they've been rubbing it in because we haven't got one. But, you know, <laughs> so, like, the, I've been talking to them and they seem really chilled, you know, slow down. So, so, yeah, I've been spending time in my garden. So, have you got a garden? And do you plant stuff in it? <laughs> we do have a garden. Mm. Um, and we have planted some things in it. We don't have a fenced, fully fenced backyard. It's partially fenced. And our neighbors, they use a lot of sprays and things like this in order to keep this pristine lawn, you know, mm -hmm. like can't, can only be grass, God forbid, anything else tries mm -hmm. to live in that. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't trust planting um, things in my garden that would be edible. Um, because I've seen some of our neighbors go rogue and, you know, when somebody's not home, they go over and spray their lawn. With really? <laughs> Is that the neighborly thing to do? <laughs> well, I mean, I think they think that. Um, I highly disagree. Um, but to keep the peace and safety, I just choose not to plant things that are edible. Yeah. Um, we have a few things that are edible, like chives. I grow them in my front garden and oh. lemon balm. Oh. And my son and I go and harvest them. And like he loves chive butter, you know, just putting the chives in the butter, mixing it up. Wow. Um, putting lemon balm in our water. That's lovely. Yeah, just a few weeks ago, he's like, "Mom, are we gonna have that lemon balm again? Like, is it is it ready yet?" So, like, he waits for it every year. Oh wow! I didn't even know that about you. Go. Oh yeah, your yeah, green like, fingers. <laughs> I would know. I don't know about what I'd say that I have green fingers, <laughs> but I got into herbalism a few years ago uh, before I got um, before I got sick, mm -hmm. and. Oh, I loved it. Just, you know, my, my plan was to change our front garden into like a, an herb garden that we yeah, could yeah. just go and harvest. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I started with the lemon balm chives. I had also planted lavender, but that didn't make it. And I've tried um, some peppers and, and things like this. Mm -hmm. And they were all short-lived. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I just love the idea. We have a big... I think it's a it's a spruce tree. I just don't know what kind of spruce tree. Okay, but yeah. we beat the tips off of it when they first come out, and oh, they're delicious. You <laughs> just ate them. 
Yeah, like the, as they're newly coming out, and you got yeah. you have to be careful so you don't over harvest because that's the new growth of the tree. Mm. But to just take them off, um, and my son and I like you just start picking the little um, green. Uh, they're not even needles fully yet, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. They're really soft, and you taste them, and they they kind of taste um, lemony, like citrusy yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, don't quote me, but I think they're high in vitamin C. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just really tasty. So we've just, you know, and it's just pick off a couple and like mm. munch it. And, you know, my husband thinks we're weird for doing it. But I'm like, it's amazing. <laughs> totally. You've grown it yourself sort of thing. Because I've, I'm, and I've heard of like putting pine needles to make a tea. Yeah. Mm. But if you were in, can you tell me? Sorry, I don't know if we're going off topic here. But you know that thing called tink, tinctures? Tincture. Yeah. What are they? Yeah. Um, there, it's like an alcohol based, um, I don't know, a, you know, a real herbalist would probably correct me, but it's where you take plant material hmm. and you put it in a concoction of, uh, alcohol base. You can also do a glycerin base, uh-huh. Uh-huh. which is no alcohol, mm-hmm. but the alcohol helps extract the nutrients, the healing properties, um, from the plant material mm-hmm. that you've used. Mm-hmm. And, um, then yeah, what do you do with them? Oh, you well, once you put it together into a um, storage container, you let it um, kind of sit and, and um, not uh, ferment, but I know like not yeah. ferment, but you yeah. let it sit for a few weeks yeah. to kind of like really do that full extraction process mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. as much as it can, mm-hmm. and then you would um, filter all the herbs out, so you'd be left with this um, alcoholic base or the glycerin base, yeah. and every all the you know special nutrients and healing properties from the plant material mm-hmm. and then you would just take it like a, with a dropper or something like this you can take it straight on you can tongue. add it oh. on your tongue under uh, your tongue in okay water. okay yeah. all right because somehow i was thinking it was like some like you know how you use essential oils and you can put it in in a bath or or put it in a thing that you can burn it off and smell it but it's actually more like a I don't know, like a, a, a medicine even sort of thing, yeah. a natural one. Yeah. Absolutely. Ah, thank you for that. I've often wondered and I've seen it around, but, you know, I haven't asked anyone, but I can ask you. Okay, awesome. So we, we've situated you now. We can visualize where you are. Let's think about what you do for a living. So what's your story? What are you doing now and how did you get to this point? Oh, wow. That's a very big question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And you can go as long or as short as you want. Yeah. And you know, I can ramble, so I'll try to keep this short. You call um, it ramble. I don't. I see it. I see it as storytelling. Oh. Telling I'll, your I'll story. Like that. Yeah, yeah. I like that spin. Okay. <laughs> I'll just say, I'm a storyteller now instead of, I just ramble. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, take it. Use it. <laughs> Thanks for that reframe. Um, so right now I teach um, visual journaling courses and uh, I also teach English as a second language to um, some children online. It's kind of my part-time gig. Mm-hmm. And I used to teach yoga, you know, and I used to work in corporate if we, you know, keep going and going back. But right now, um, what I really try to focus on is reminding people that they can trust themselves. So whatever I'm working on, whether it's through visual journaling, um, it's always, even when I was teaching yoga, it was always about making sure that people were bringing awareness to 
themselves to their bodies and not ignoring everyone else and everything else around them. It was like, and, you know, bringing awareness to your body and how does that help you bring awareness to the people that you are connected to, the strangers that, you know, you'll eventually meet to the systems that you are um, working and living within. So that's kind of what, uh, like, you know, high level, mm-hmm. what I do. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's literally saying to somebody, just put something down on the page. You know, mm-hmm. stop worrying about whether it's going to be perfect. Don't, who cares if it's going to be pretty? Mm-hmm. That's not the purpose. It's focusing on the process and the practice. Like, how do you show up for yourself in all these different ways? And we get to practice that, you know, in a, in a book, mm-hmm. you know, through the, the, materials that you choose to use whether it's paint pens you know I I tell people use nail polish we had recently worked with somebody who was using makeup like like, that's brilliant nothing's going to waste absolutely not yeah so you're talking about visual journaling and and you're offering this at this moment with your course exploring creative connections so what is visual journaling to anyone who's listening in a nutshell Oh, in a nutshell. (laughs) Remember, storyteller here. Um, (laughs) So in a nutshell, I would say that visual journaling is a way to express um, your thoughts, feelings, emotions in a visual way. So that could be through the use of words, either ones that you've written by hand, um, words that you've cut out of a magazine, images, either again from magazines, something that you've drawn, photographs, um, through color. So whether it's, you know, the color of the makeup that you're using, the paint that you're using, the markers, um, it's simply putting a visual, it's like a visual representation of what's potentially going on inside you, what you're thinking about, what's affecting you. And it, there's no right or wrong to visual journaling. Like I just love that. Um, I remember my yoga teacher way back when I was first taking teacher's training, he'd often say that there's no right or wrong in yoga. There's just right and left. And I was just like, oh, he would just kind of say these things. And it's like, yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, a, a lot of people and even people that I was training with, it was like, well, am I doing this right? You know, am mm-hmm. I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Mm-hmm. To my students used to ask that, am I doing this right? And they'd be so frustrated when mm-hmm. I'd, you know, turn the question back on them. It's like, well, how does it feel? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just tell me the answer. Like, I don't know. But when somebody would actually, you know, take a moment to just tune in and go, okay, how does this feel in my body? you would naturally see them kind of shift and change to make it work a little bit better for them, you know, let them experience something different. And it's the same thing with visual journaling. If people are getting caught up with, whoa, how does this, how is this supposed to look? You know, am I supposed to see this? Do I, do I put the, the red here? Or should I put a purple here? And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm like, which one do you feel? Why do you want to do the purple? Why do you want to do red? Mm-hmm. And um, so instead of just making pretty pictures, it's actually tapping into like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? You know, what, what am I, what am I, what am I up to right now? Yeah. 
I love that. I love that because, you know, I am taking your course for the second time this time. And I I I would consider myself a veteran in visual journaling. Absolutely. <laughs> but what I'm finding is doing the course with you is that you're giving me some tools and some skills, but then also the language to actually talk about the process of visual journaling. And that means I am more more open and more more efficient in sharing it because before it i mean it is it's all about the process for me but before it's it's a bit of a weasel way or it's difficult to say or put your finger on what it is that we do when we're visual visual journaling because it is all internal it is that processes that we're going through in our body and it is yeah you get an end product it might be pretty it might not be pretty and it's there as a document of that journey that you've been on but to actually do this course with you, I am learning the the words or the language to interpret what I do to share with others, but then also to get others enthused and plugged in to visual journaling, which has been difficult before because it's before I just say, OK, let's just do it. We'll just do it and you'll see. But, you know, for those people who are a bit reluctant, who do like to get it right. Yeah, who mm-hmm. do want to have that finished, nice, pristine product? Um, I'm getting the language and the ex- more experience to share it through awesome. through working with you. So thank you, thank you for that. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Thank you for sharing that. I, yeah, you know, you and I talk often, and I don't think you've ever said it in that way, or it's like, oh. Wow. Because, yeah. yeah, you know, when you're like, I think I'm a veteran, you're totally a veteran <laughs> when it comes to visual journaling. Well. And let's clarify that for your listeners. I mean, I got back into visual journaling because of the retreat that mm. you hosted, held mm. the fabulous retreat in Iceland in 2018. Mm. And, you know, I'd always been interested in art from a kid and had always been doing creative things. But to go to your retreat and, you know, we've, we've said this, there's, there was a few mornings where I was like, Sheree is forcing me to do this. Like, cause I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, on certain days, but after like, you know, a few hours of doing it, I was so grateful because my mood had shifted. You know, I remembered why visual journaling was so joyful to me mm-hmm. and it set me up for a practice that like I was visual journaling on the plane ride home, you know, <laughs> and when I came home from Iceland, I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis yeah. and it continued visual journaling through my healing. And it was so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was mine. Like nobody could take, I had to shift how I was, you know, visual journaling mm-hmm. after my illness, but it couldn't be taken away from me. And mm-hmm. I got to define what it was, what it looked like, how it felt, how long I would visual journal for, when. Mm. And that gave me a sense of control that I felt like I didn't have when, you know, I got this big, scary, because at the time, it's it's a big, scary diagnosis. And it, don't get me wrong, I'm still scared as hell from it sometimes. Mm. Yeah. But um, visual journaling was my way of just like, this is something that I can do for myself. Mm. And it was healing. It brought me joy. Mm. Um, even when I was, you know, journaling about some really dark subject matter. And, you know, because just like we said, it's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to be perfect. But it was that process and that practice that I held on to that 
really helped me get through a lot of things. So thank you for being, you know, my OG in visual this journaling. Is, this is just like a mutual appreciation. Because <laughs> well, you know we need more love that. Oh, don't we just, don't we just, there's not enough, there's not enough. But yeah. that's, you know, I was just going to say to you, oh, thanks. Because like you mentioned Iceland and, um, it is two years, the anniversary, two years since, since we met in Iceland and we, you know, we did that retreat together and it was such, it was such a good time and there was, there was ugliness and shittiness about it, but it was such a good time. And that, and, and that was me sharing my love of visual journaling in a, a place which I loved and felt at home in and belonged, Iceland, shout out to Iceland. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> But what, I mean, but, you know, that was like face to face. And what gets me with what you're doing now with visual journaling is that you're doing it online. And I've told you this before. I can't do it online because you are so, you are so open and generous and um, giving um, and there when we're online, when we meet as a group. I mean, not getting into details here, but sometimes I could be on there and I could be pulling so many different faces and I can't, and, you know, and you can't actually do that online when you are the facilitator, you know, the leader sort of thing. You have to, and you, you take on that persona really well, but not in a way that it is a mask that you wear. It's just like, no. it's part of your normal giving self being. Um, so I appreciate that. Made it cl- clear for me that the, online face-to-face course i mean like maybe i've worked on it maybe i've improved since i've been doing all this zoom stuff right i don't think so i don't think (laughs) so because there are sometimes that i join poetry lessons or classes and i have to take off my um video because i know i'm just doing too many facial expressions i might not (laughs) i might not be saying anything but my face is going for it but it's like off on one there but just thinking what you were saying about you came back from Iceland and you were diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis a month Mm -hmm. afterwards and things sort of like changed for you and you've talked about how visual journaling has helped you heal through that process has supported you through that how do you feel then let's think about nature how has nature played into this just two years now that you have been um knowingly um diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis how does that have um an influence on your your life nature the natural world um so going back to 2017 i had had a surgery for something and a friend of mine who is a and i might get her title wrong but i believe she's a horticultural therapist and she gifted me with a plant a kokodama specifically because she said that, um, and again, these are my words, I might be misquoting, but this is what I took away from it, is that looking at plants, like a living plant, not a fake one, a living plant, is beneficial for when you're healing. Um, And I don't know if it was, you know, it gives you hope or just seeing that, you know, it's, when you think of a plant, they're resilient, right? You know, they, sure, they need certain things, but like if we well even looking at some of the parks right now when we're in this social distancing and physical distancing a a quarantine space some of the parks that aren't being used because we've closed all of ours here in in the area that i live in in canada the weeds 
are just taking over and like nothing is stopping them right even though they have put physical barriers in place and i i'm I don't think they're spraying, but there's physical barriers that are in place and the weeds are still growing. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I cared for this plant for a while. This plant did not last. However, more plants um, came into my house and um, caring for them. It's such a healing, nurturing thing to do. And then to just, you know, be sitting on my couch and look over and see this plant just kind of thriving Mm -hmm. and, it's like, okay, I can do this. You know, that little plant, you know, even though I'm not giving it enough sunlight, maybe enough water, maybe enough food, but it's still chugging along. <laughs> it's like, maybe I could do this too. And <laughs> and that's um, something that's just stuck with me mm. from, you know, this just very kind gift mm. that I was given. And so when I got uh, diagnosed, I went into like full on, let's, let's go buy more plants and things like this. Mm. And I remember I was even trying to grow some container um, edible things that I had in my backyard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was painful to even go outside to take care of them. But we got like little beets and little mini carrots and things like this. And, you know, they made not even a full meal, like a half a meal, but it was just, we made this. It's nurturing, it's nourishing, and um, was healing in that way. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten better, I've been able to go out more outside because for a long time there like going out in the heat hurt me going out in the sun hurt me going out in too cold of the weather hurt me um so I was in the house for a long time but I had nature inside through my Mm. plants Mm. um Instagram was a lifesaver for me because I had friends that were going hiking and taking pictures and sharing pictures of things that they would see in their hike Mm. and I love like close-up pictures of like the moss on a rock or the bark of a tree. And I could just envision myself kind of running my hands over it, like touching them, even though I physically couldn't at the time. Um, So yeah, nature has just been this reminder, like it goes through cycles, you know, like especially with the seasons that we have here, Mm. things will kind of die off, but it's not the end. There will be a renewal mm-hmm. eventually, you know, with the next season. And, and there's this constant change. Nothing stays the same forever. Um, so to me, nature is just, it reminds me of how regenerative we all can be um, if we're given the right things. Conditions, environment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I... The, has nature been part of your upbringing? Has it been there since you've been a child? <laughs> no. <laughs> we were not the outdoorsy kind of people. <laughs> we didn't go camping. Um, I went, like, yeah, it was, you know, from the house to the car, to the mall, or mm. to another person's house. Um, we weren't ones to go for, like, evening walks or anything like that. That didn't happen until much later when I was like, I miss the outside. Ah, Okay. (laughs) And even going, I went on a trip to Europe when I was 16 and it was a a camping trip. Hmm. But what sold me was that they're like, well, the European camping that you're doing, it's not the same kind of like rough outdoor camping that you do in Canada. And I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) 
And, you know, we were told, well, there's designated campsites. Most of the campsites have, like, discos and restaurants and cafes. And okay. I'm like, okay, I'm sold. Yeah, yeah. And I remember walking around. Um, we, we visited several countries, but we went to uh, Vimy Ridge in France. And it was pouring rain. Mm-hmm. And I was so surprised that they were expecting us to get off the bus. <laughs> like, but it's raining. Like, I grew up in a house where it's like, oh, it's a bad day because it's raining outside. Like, yeah. you know, our hair will get ruined. Our, <laughs> oh, don't even like, go there. And like, and my mom's white. So it's not even like, like, you know, my dad's black. My mom's white. So it's just my mom who's like perfectly coiffed hair. It's like, I can't go out in the rain. Like, it will get frizzy. <laughs> okay, I saw it. Like, why do I have to get off the bus? I don't understand. <laughs> and like, I was soaked. I was soaked because like, I didn't have the proper um, gear yeah. to go out in this rain. Yeah. But we went and, you know, just seeing this um, history and these landmarks. And I remember thinking, what the hell am I complaining about? It's like, it's just rain. I will dry. I'm fine. Yeah. And from then on out, that was like, I think the first couple of days of the trip. Mm-hmm. I was just like, it's raining. And they're like, oh, it's raining. I don't care. I'm like, let's go. Like, just, <laughs> feeling rain on your face like it's not something I'd ever done I always had an umbrella I had to cover up but you'd run through the raindrops kind of thing um so having that experience of just like oh the elements are not that bad oh okay then (laughs) and then I could still have joy even when the weather wasn't you know ideal and Mm -hmm. ideal meaning like sunny and not too hot not too cold kind of thing Mm -hmm. um and then I've, you know, I've tried to just get out um, in nature as often as I can. Um, I'm still not like a big hiker. I've got men folk who they don't like bugs. They don't like, you know, there's certain conditions that have to be met for them. Um, yeah. But even sitting in the house, because there's some days where walking outside can be a real pain in my butt. Mm-hmm. But sitting in the house and just having a window open to hear the birds chirping outside, you know, the wind rough, like blowing through the leaves of a tree that's life-giving to me like those sounds you know they help me feel that I'm not so alone yes yeah sometimes when you're isolated in your house with a chronic illness you can feel so lonely um but to know that life is still going on out there and I still get to enjoy it just in a different way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. life-giving life-giving awesome yeah that's beautiful I mean like somebody Somebody says, like, there's no bad weather, it's bad gear out there. But the thing is, is that if you don't know, if you don't have the money for the gear, you don't have the gear. If you don't, if you've not been, been an outdoors person, you don't know what gear you should have. And, you know, with the women that we've been taking out, they have, you know, they've been turning up in just flip flops or sandals and think no we're going we're going out you're going to go you need to cover your toes or you know it's forecast rain so we've had to provide gear so Mm -hmm. they can have that experience but that's a barrier that is a barrier to getting out there it totally is I've you know when I thought well I like hiking let me go look at like look into like what's involved what do I need because Mm -hmm. you know I'm we're marketed that we need certain things yeah um and for a long time, I was just like, oh, I don't need those. Like, mm-hmm. I can just go and about my business and do it. Like, I still don't own hiking boots. Mm-hmm. You know, I went around Iceland in bloodstones. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, they're fine. And they were fine enough yeah. for the time. Yeah. But um, 
yeah, when I look at some of the price of the mm. gear, yeah, and I'm I I can't afford that. And I'm like, that's the price for one pair of socks. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. But these are wick proof, man. <laughs> They'll fit like a glove. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is and, the case of like, don't use that as a excuse not to get out there. As long as you're safe. As long as you're safe. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But yeah. for the longest time, I was using that as an excuse. It's like, well, mm. I don't have hiking boots. I can't go hiking. Oh, I don't have these proper socks. I can't go. Yeah. Um, and once I realized like, well, okay, let's use what I actually have. Mm. Um, and then just fill in the gaps with, you know, maybe I do need a special pair of socks or I need the proper like poncho or something <laughs> like this to go out the elements. I've still um, got your poncho from Iceland. Oh, your awesome. purple one. <laughs> yeah, I love that purple one, man. Uh, it came I in. I just couldn't put it back in, in my bag. <laughs> no. Yeah, you took so many other things back from Iceland <laughs> in that bag. But yeah, um, so it came in useful for all the waterfalls anyhow. Awesome. Um, but, you know, just taking, I mean, I'm talking to you as a wise woman here. I've got this relationship with nature. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm struggling at the moment. Um, I suppose I'm coming from the idea to have a relationship with nature is a privilege. There's some people that it's not on their radar or they're disconnected for it because of what's happening in their lives now or in the past. And I'm, I'm particularly thinking about, you know, we've had the coronavirus, but then also about what's happening in America with the um, anti-racism protests against police brutality and black lives matter etc etc and and i was listening to something just last night and it's idea like everybody has a part to play in this movement if you you know if you can't be out there marching and walking you could you know come along and provide a song or you could come along and provide war and i'm trying I oscillate between doing, I'm not doing enough or I'm doing what I have. You know, I say yeah. that my words are weaponized. I use my words as a way of doing that. But I also think there's something there about tapping into uh, a more of a connection with nature as a healing, as a, a yeah, as a healing balm, as, as something that is there as part of our arsenal to give us the strength and self-care in a sense to Mm -hmm. actually carry on um but i don't know how how this could come about how to marry them do you know what i'm trying to say how to bring that into what's happening now and not seeing that it's coming from a privilege or it's it's out there and you're away with the fairies how it can be used practically to support our people especially our people our black and brown bodies etc yeah no i i hear you and that's something that I have struggled with as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the fact that I have access to a garden. That's because the house that we bought, we're able to buy, you know, mm-hmm. had a garden around it. Um, but thinking of um, areas in my community where it's apartment buildings and there aren't <laughs> garden spaces, but then there's community gardens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think to, I forget his name. But I know he's like, oh, Ron Finley, I think it is, who um, is in Los Angeles. And he uh, basically started growing his own food mm-hmm. because he saw that in the communities that he was living in, um, 
they didn't have access to even like grocery stores that had fresh produce. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is a form of resistance, you know, growing your own food so that you're not dependent on whatever system or a store being nearby or something like that is extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, as well as the joy of just getting your hands in dirt and, you know, seeing these little seeds, um, give life, Mm -hmm. um, is helpful. You know, when I talk about the being interested in herbalism, that came about because I was frustrated with um, some doctors and some answers that I wasn't, you know, they were giving, but I'm like, it's not the right answer. I'm like, how, what can I do to kind of take some um, power back? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was amazing to me to be able to take some plant material, put it in like an alcohol base, make a tincture and feel better after taking that, um, that tincture. And I just thought, wow, how come nobody's telling me about this? You know, mm-hmm. but then I find out, oh, my grandparents, they did this, you know, because uh-huh. they had no other option. Mm-hmm. They didn't have doctors. They didn't have hospitals. They didn't have emergencies that they could go running into. They had to take care of things on their own. And mm-hmm. they connected to the land um, because they were in relationship with mm-hmm. it. Because mm-hmm. um, they really didn't have any other options. You know, it was just this is what it is what it is. This is what we have access to. So, yeah, I mean, for me, I can't go out and physically protest, you know, Mm -hmm. like being on immunosuppressants, um, having an autoimmune condition and just, you know, the sun, I can't be out in the sun for too long. There's so many restrictions I feel that I have, but how can I show up for people? I check in with them. Like I check in with my brown and my black friends Mm -hmm. and Um, you know, how are you doing? What's Mm -hmm. going on? Mm -hmm. Hearing about their joy, not Mm -hmm. only all the bullshit that Mm -hmm. they're having to deal with, um, putting, you know, building connections, connecting somebody who needed a resource, connect them with, you know, somebody else that I know who might have access to something that they might need. Um, and, and reminding them like, open your window, Like, you know, if you don't have a garden, open your window. What do you hear outside? What can you see outside of your window? Um, Because, you know, most people that I'm connected to, they at least have a window. Yes. Have a window that they can, um, you know, interact with. Yeah. 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 And also what you're doing is that you're pretty active on Instagram as well in sharing. You know, it's a case of like, it's almost like you're a, a collective in the sense of like you know you're out there doing the doing the sites the here's the you know the whole mm. what and then you collate it into where your feed and then share it back out that's what i love about your stories on instagram yeah they, they are called stories aren't you when i click yes. on your face <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like and like you know you should check this out listen to this it's important you know what he said sort of thing and i and i so i so appreciate that as a resource and and i'm no i'm probably not the only one who who feels that way or thinks that way Mm-hmm. You know, because you're probably getting all these DMs. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten a thank, few of those. Thank you, Alwyn. You know? <laughs> but, um, you know, in that same line that we're thinking about, we've, we talked about our ancestors having that relationship with the land, which we have forgotten or it has been hidden or it's been... It's been taken. Yeah. It's been taken. Yeah. 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 You're right. You're right there. It has been taken. So that's that's the past and how we are carrying the past with us. If if not 
in that mental capacity but in our bodies mm-hmm. and in our dna and that trauma etc so but we've got our bodies here now and i'm thinking about the future it's a case of like thinking about what's happening now and what yes. do you hope will happen out of what's happening now for the future and how maybe your what you're doing as an individual your work with visual journaling say um mm-hmm. how can that fit into building a future that you want to see yeah with well with visual journaling like i said a lot of my work is trying to get people to remember to trust themselves mm. and that's by you know raising their awareness so that they actually understand what what should i be paying attention to what's important to me mm. and that's going to be different for everybody depending on their um family status their um you know, their gender, their race, their um, sexual orientation, so many, so many things, you know, whether they're able-bodied, disabled. um, And what I hope it brings about is that people actually tuning in to themselves, having an integrity and a knowing of what is important and why not only for themselves but for the greater good in and the greater good meeting you know if one person one group of people are oppressed mm. then we're all oppressed mm. so instead of because right now what we're seeing um what i'm seeing is a lot of people um jumping on bandwagons and following only certain people who will say things in ways that they find uh, appealing, comforting. Palatable. Yes, yes. But they don't necessarily challenge or make them feel too uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I'm always asking, well, why? Why is that? Like, yes, you, you know, you're going to have preferences and, and you're going to be more drawn to certain people. But why are you drawn to the people that you are drawn to? Mm-hmm. Is it because they're making you think or is it because they're, you know, giving out cookies and gold stars to make you feel good about yourself? But at the end of the day, what does that accomplish if, you know, so my hope is that by just showing up, for, you know, myself, my family, my friends, mm-hmm. um, and sharing things that really resonate with me for whatever reason. And mm-hmm. I try to share that through stories. Sometimes it's just all I can do is just hit like share. That's mm-hmm. as much effort as I can, can put into um, to doing that. That it might just help people um, become aware to a different perspective. Mm-hmm become aware of somebody who would never have been on the radar if if all this uprising the connections that they have weren't in place mm. so I mean it, it feels like I'm not doing enough like you've said before like sometimes I'm like it, it doesn't feel like I'm doing enough mm. but I'm having these conversations in mm. my real life mm. and you know they're not always going to be broadcast on a social media platform. Doesn't mean that they're not happening, but what I'm seeing is, you know, people saying, I'm having these discussions like offline, but I'm like, are you <laughs> really? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, why did you feel the need to say that on social media? Just go do it. Just go do it. You know, 
Yeah. I'd written a blog post called I See You. Mm-hmm. And where I shared just some, you know, microaggressions as well as very blatant racism that mm-hmm. I have experienced. And I'm a biracial woman. I identify as black. And I have shit ton of privilege. I'm sorry. I forgot to ask. Can I swear? Oh, it's too late now. <laughs> no, you're, you're more welcome. You're more welcome. I did not do the effort, though. And that's a huge thing for me. <laughs> I know. I just love it how you band it around. You know, you give me permission to use it more. So thank you. <laughs> I reclaimed it, man. I'm like, nope. Yeah. Um, um, and so I'm constantly checking in with myself. You know, why do I feel this way? Why am I thinking this way? Why do I feel that I need to share this or say this? Um, and I just hope that more people will do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not not for applause, not for hearts, no, not no. for likes, not for any of that. Just mm-hmm. to be a decent human being. Yeah, not that's it. I don't and, think that's too much to ask for, you know, but apparently for some it is. Yeah. And I'm with you. I mean, I totally love what you said that it does it starts with you as the individual and and it's sort of like going out in those concentric circles out from you, you know, your family, your community. Um and I think how I'm trying to add to it or make change is actually i'm trying to not be so judgmental because just what you said there you know trying to be human i've taken that on board even more so in these trying times when i see somebody doing something that i think that's out of order or Mm -hmm. that's really um irresponsible behavior and and i and i check myself and i'll take a step back and i say well you know maybe they're doing this because they're going through that maybe you know an example these kids were out in groups and like and I says well maybe it's a case of like you know they it's safer outside than inside <laughs> their homes you know yeah, that sort of that thing yeah um but I know how we can fall into learned behavior it is learned behavior to have all these these fears and these prejudices and these discrimination discriminatory reactions towards people because it comes from that that base fear to so actually try and check yourself and break that down is something that we should be able to do as as humans but some people do do find it difficult yeah so we're gonna be winding up but before i wind up i just want to ask you one more question you've been on a hell of a journey in these last two years and that's not disallowing the journey that you went on before you got to the last two years yeah it's just been more intense (laughs) yeah and then also maybe um and again you know not disrespecting you the idea that you've maybe developed the tools and the skills and the insight and the beingness to actually have this happening to you but then also having that strength and insight and instinct to actually look outside of it and interpret what's been happening plug into what's been happening so you you're actually when you're on the journey you're actually feeding the journey with that new insight that new knowledge about yourself Mm -hmm. and that has been beautiful beautiful to, to see and watch and 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 be a little part of yeah (laughs) but what i'd like you to maybe share with our listeners is like through this journey what has been your greatest insight what is your greatest takeaway that maybe that you clutch close to your heart to go on into the future with sort of thing (laughs) it's a good job this isn't in vision you know (laughs) yes 
I can see Cherie raising her hand up like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, I don't think that there's necessarily one thing yeah. that I hold on to. Yeah. Um, because as much as I talk about, you know, you, you need to care for yourself as the individual and you have to remember that as an individual, you are constantly connected to people, places, and things like all the time, you know, yeah. spiritually, physically, yeah. socially, like all of these ways. And so while I was, you know, trying to care for myself and I did have to prioritize myself when I was first diagnosed with RA, just so that, you know, I could kind of get some clarity and figure out my priorities because when I was diagnosed, um, I just assumed that I would get better, but I actually got worse for a few months and, you know, it, it got really dark. Um, and I didn't know if I would make it to the next year for many reasons. And going through that, I, I went through this, um, phase of like trying to, you know, just fill my son's head with like, all my wisdom, all my knowledge. It's like, you know, he's this little guy. He's, I think seven going on eight at the time. And I'm just like, okay, when this happens, you like do this, this, this. And I felt like I needed to like write a manual, you know, yeah. like of all this, these things that I wouldn't be able to tell him. And I just thought, oh, no, I just need to be, I need to be here for myself. I need to be here for him. I need to be here for, you know, my partner, my family, my friends and all of these things. And it was like, how? How am I going to do that? And that really helped me shift my priorities. You know, what was truly important? And it, it, I didn't care about, you know, buying the next biggest, best, greatest thing. It was like, I actually want some quality time. Like, mm -hmm. you know, can we set up a monthly Skype meeting or, you know, Skype? I don't use Skype except for right now with you, but like. FaceTime or, or Zoom or something like that. Um, just seeing small improvements. Having that connection with somebody, you know, for whether it was a half an hour conversation, an hour, even less than that. Um, it could change my mood, brighten my day a little bit. And I just thought, okay, well, this is worthwhile. It was like a little crumb. I was like, I want more. Like I got started getting greedy for it. I'm like, I want more of this. And then I would hear from people like, oh, like, you're a great listener. Or, you know, thanks for checking in with me. I really appreciate it. And it was like, oh, I guess it's not just helping me. I guess it's helping other people too. Yeah. And I, again, it's just, it was like, I became addicted to like, this is a great feeling. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I can feel good. Other people can feel good. Mm -hmm. um, okay, let's, mm -hmm. let's keep going with this. And mm -hmm. I would avoid or minimize things that weren't as helpful, beneficial, like they were, you know, straight up harmful sometimes. Um, oh, yeah. And I thought, why, why am I punishing myself? Like I'm dealing with enough, mm -hmm. like let's go for the joy. Let's go for the pleasure. Um, and yeah, I became an active participant in like the mm -hmm. good, the, the, the good, the better, the best, the, um, you know, and mm -hmm. whatever that was, like I said, it could be just literally opening up my window and hearing a cardinal outside of my, you know, singing to me. That was, that was beautiful. You know, mm. watching the, the chipmunk go across the <laughs> fence, like, you know, and um, like just seeing the leaves blowing in the breeze, walking 
uh, well, my son and I, we went walking when we first got into like the quarantine and social distancing. You know, we could still walk in our neighborhood and being out there, it was the end of winter going into spring and to see the gardens, um, you know, which are kind of a mess, right? They're mm-hmm. filled with death and um, dried leaves and things like this. And then mm-hmm. to watch them over the weeks kind of blossom and grow. And it's like, yep, there's that cycle again. Like, you know, we're just going to keep on going. It's never yeah. going to be the same, no. but it always comes back in yeah. some way. In some way, there's yeah. a regeneration. Yeah. Love that. And what you said, connected. We're all connected. And before we finish, I must, you know, you, we've talked about exploring creative connections. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, are you running it again? And what else are you offering? And how can our listeners find out more about you? Mm, thanks, Sheree. <laughs> um, yes. I, you can find me at uh, alwynwilson.com, my website. It's just my first and my last name.com. And uh, Exploring Creative Connection, which is the visual journaling course, I suspect that I will run it again. As of right now, I'm not sure when. It's, I'm thinking the fall, um, fall of 2020, I should be very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, with how I'm feeling, what I'm doing, you know, my schedule changes as well. Um, but this has been a very, uh, I think it's a beneficial course. And I think as, you know, we continue through this pandemic, as well as with the global uprising that we're seeing happening, as well as just life that's continuing to keep going, (laughs) um, people need to have this outlet and this connection. And it's virtual. So I mean, you know, you can be anywhere in the world, and we can uh, work together. So I have that. Um, So that'll probably come up again in the fall. And I'm hopeful that I can run a version of it where it, the participants are just black, just black, brown, maybe indigenous. You know, I'm still um, trying to figure out how I can do that. And I would love to be able to uh, run it so that the participants can um, join it for free nice. so that I'm compensated, but that the there would be no cost to um, my BIPOC folk. And uh, we can work together in a space that it's just for us. Yeah, they are so needed. Absolutely. And that's kind of like, you know, a goal that I'd like to see happen um, sooner rather than later. Mm. I just need to figure out how to make that happen. But I am determined to figure that out. Yeah. And that would be a face-to-face one or a virtual one? It's probably going to be virtual. I mean, um, you know, with... uh, with the pandemic going on and the virus, as well as just um, wanting to keep people safe, I think mm-hmm. it's safer to do it um, virtually. Um, and, you know, like you said, you know, we still have that connection um, online once a week. So it's not feeling like you have to show up mm-hmm. um, and be present. And I might even think about making it um, an offering that could just be like people could walk them through, walk, walk themselves through it on their own. Um, I'm playing with that an idea e-course. to make, yeah, like an e-course, maybe something smaller, mm-hmm. um, that they could try out and see mm-hmm. whether they'd want to join something bigger. But I'm, I feel like I'm in a, a period of transition. So my website will be updated shortly and, uh, and shortly I might mean in a few months, <laughs> 
as well as what uh, my offerings will be. Those are always going to be um, changing up simply because I'm changing as a person. Yeah, are we all? But if you want to keep up to date what Alwyn's doing, get to our website, sign up to the newsletter, check her out on Instagram too. Everything that you've just said will be in the show notes to get in touch with you. Awesome. but yeah, so I'd just like to say thank you. Thank you for your time and agreeing to chat to me. It's been awesome. It's just like, it's just part of our continuing conversation, you know? Oh, it is. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. But I, I do too. And I really appreciate everything that you bring. And, you know, as I say, you inspire me. You inspire me to be not just a better creative, but a better human being. And I mean that. So thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Thank you, Sheree. I just adore you. So, you know, whenever you need anything, just let me know and I'm happy to help. (laughs) Well, I'm sending you a hug. Um, And hopefully, you know, when everything's safe and sound again, who knows when, we might see each other again in person. I know. That would be so nice to hug you. (laughs) That would be so awesome. Just spend some time to each other. Okay. Well, you take time. You take time. You take care. You too. Thanks, Sheree. I hope this was helpful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't ramble too much. Too no, much. you storyteller. <laughs> you storyteller. Love you. Bye for now. All right. Bye, Bye. Sheree. Take care. Bye. <laughs>